this is episode 128 of Hebrews in Exile with our honorable teacher, Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And for most of us that have been in the old church, you may have heard this term called the rapture. Now, I'm not talking about that Anita Baker song, or maybe, is it a song, or was that the name of her album? But at any rate, is there an actual rapture, and does the Masoretic text support that idea? Well, we're going to talk about that in this particular podcast of Hebrews in Exile. So sit back. It's going to be action-packed once again. So Hebrews in Exile, you know what we do. Let's go! Give me more power. Give me more love, yeah. Give me more passion. This is Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And this is Hebrews, Hebrews in Exile. Exile. Hey, Ambassador. Elder Statesman, the we, emissary to the Most High. We have just finished and come out of the high holy days. Yeah. How you, <laughs> how you feeling? I'm still recovering. I'm still recovering. I'm going to tell you why, because this last one took a toll on me. This last one, Sukkot, where, you know, because we got the little tent and we put it out in the backyard and everything and we try to... You know, it's the, the text says that you're supposed to live out of that thing. But, you know, I'm going back and forth in and out of the house, things that I need in there. You know, we bring them out to the tent and whatnot. But I was sitting to saying to myself as I was looking up at the roof of the tent, said our ancestors did this for 40 years straight. And this ain't no tempur that's out here in this tent. I mean, this bed is not, and I was sleeping on a futon. It was hard, that ground, I'm just, and being out there, it was cold and whatnot. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, hmm, yeah, this was not an ideal situation. But it often, it reminded me of this, uh, the fact that, hey, the Most High kept us when we were, our ancestors were in the desert. He was a, what, a cloud by day? So fire we by night. And a, and a fire by night. We didn't, we didn't burn up during the daytime, and then we didn't, you know, uh, we could see during, we had our street lights on at, at nighttime. Um, and when the Most High moved under the uh, direction of the Melech or Malak, the angel that was with Moshe, um, and we moved. So, I mean, it's a time of reflection. And look at me, I'm already, in, it's got my head all into these. But um, I feel good. I feel like a, um, every year that we do them, we get a deeper appreciation. And as we get deeper into the text and into the mitzvot themselves and we draw them out, um, it just gets more and more and more sentimental and more, it's a humbling experience to say, you know, we kept these throughout the year. We abided by the Most High's mitzvot. And when we look at uh, Shemot chapter number 34, and we look at all of the things that are in there that says, these are the things that I want you to observe. And those more deems are in there. We try to do them the best way we can. So um, it's been real interesting. Yeah, you know, like I said before, uh, these mitzvotes, and particularly um, Sukkot, is designed to be done in the land. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, Climate-wise, the land during... This particular time of the year, it's their it's it's their summer. It begins their summer season, mm-hmm. and it's hot in the continent. Mm. So you don't have that that cold effect. You don't have rain happening and what have you. It's it's hot. Oh yeah, and I could appreciate that because we had the actually heater out there in that tent while we were out there. Yeah, because so it'd be cold. Yeah, you're going to be... So it, if the climate and conditions, uh, you know, the Most High has provided for us in the land at that particular region of the world, you know... We, and, and, if you lived in, and if you lived in the, um, in the cities uh, here in the United States during this time, you would have... You've got flooding. You've got all kind of different type of climate oh, yeah. situations happening that uh, literally prevent you from being able to, to adhere... To that particular mitzvah. That's the reason why uh, the Most High has given us grace. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's things that. You know, I've talked about that before, but let me tell you what grace is all about once again for Mm -hmm. you all. Um, They said that uh, Jesus Christ came with grace and truth, but grace and truth existed long before he was ever created. Yeah, it's true. 
way before he came along. And the reason, the reason the Most High gave us grace for this sixth day uh, is because he excommunicated us out of the land, and he knew that in the di different parts of the world that Hebrew Israel was going to exist, that they were not going to be able to adhere to the totality of the mitzvot that he's given us. Yes. With that being the case, he gave us grace, uh, an extended grace to us. But then, you know, I hear the writer in Romans, I hear Shaul uh, in Romans say, uh, what shall we say, what shall we do? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And that language in that particular text is, is germane to our text. Mm. And a lot of people don't understand what, what Shaul's really saying. Shall we continue in being Torahless? Mm. That's what he's saying, because sin is being Torahless. Correct. If we go to 1 John chapter 3, uh, and the verses in there, John says the, the absence of Torah, or the law, is sin. Mm -hmm. So he says, shall we continue being Torahless that grace may abound? Uh, and, the act, act, and, and, and the answer to that question is no. no. But then again, where we can walk in the mitzvotes that the Most High has given us, we, uh, we do those, you know, with wholeheartedly, uh, uh, heart, heartfelt we, we we do it wholeheartedly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And actually, you know what? Um, I, I will reflect and say on this. I mean, this year and 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 past reflection and looking over it, um, I think I had a deeper affection for it because it was more of a understanding as we walk through Vaikra and we walk through the mitzvot and we're heavy on the mitzvot. Um, not only do we have the symbolic meaning of what they mean to us now in our exile, but we also this year took a look at the hardcore in context when our answers because as we've talked at least my um modus of operandi moving forward is to speak to the generations that are coming under descendants that are coming after us right to say that none of us here none of you that are viewing by way of the stream none of you that are in that chat room right now none of us that are on the stage none of our demographic out here is going to see the land in our lifetime that's a fact it's not gonna happen no right so um, what are we, what are we, what is our purpose? What is our, what are we doing? We have to teach this next generation, our descendants and start that generation. Cause we talked about these generational curses that are in here to the third and fourth generation. We can start to reverse that process by instantiating these mitzvot. So my thing this year was taking a really hard look in context to say, if this was a generation that was in the land, what would we actually do? And preparing that generation to say, not only do we look at it metaphorically, but this is what's going to have to happen. And we went through that in detail when we took it, looked at Yom Kippur. And I was moving around the little characters on the board and everything to say, this is what you should be looking for and you should be seeing. So when we get back into land, we have a, we have a, a good foundation of how things work. But for all of you that are watching by way of the stream, and I just want to make sure that everybody understands is that um, uh, I am going to start working on the new calendar for uh, 2000, I want to say the Gregorian year for 2023, 24, 24. Um, that's going to be coming out uh, before the end of the year. We'll have it all finished. So as you know, the Hebraic year doesn't start. So your calendar that you have right now is still good up until March of 2024. And so um, by December, by the end of the year, I'll have the new one out and it'll be on the webpage and you can go and uh, purchase one and be ready for the upcoming year. And so you can have all your Moedims and all those things squared away. Very good. Very good. Um, you said something there that I was making a note of and I didn't want to stop you. Now I got to remember what it was. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> we have heard in Christianity, which is one of their selling points, that the rapture could happen at any time mm. and Jesus could come. Um, you know, I know that those of you that are watching with us today and listening with us today, you know that there is uh, no text at all, even in your text that talks about a rapture or what rapture really is. Right. Um, so 
But for Hebrew Israel, we now recognize that this exile is extended. Mm. I mean, if we look at, if we look at, we've come, I mean, from my, I'm, I'm a, I'm in my 80s. The octogenarian. And I've been hearing since the day I was born that Jesus could come any day. Mm -hmm. And that hasn't happened because, number one, uh, there's no Jesus to come. One. Mm -hmm. And if there was a Jesus could come, he can't operate outside the directions of the Most High, mm -hmm. and the Most High has a set time and a set period, except for in this exile, if you remember, with the uh, Babylonian uh, captivity and exile, there was a time frame that was established. Mm -hmm. There was a time frame established when, Mitz when Israel went down into Mitzrayim, but when the Most High exiled Israel out of the land, and this diaspora into the nations, he did not set a time frame. Right. Can I take a sidebar real quick and, and, and have you put on your your Pentecostal pastor hat for a second? I gotta go. I gotta. I gotta go. I gotta go out in the warehouse and dig that up out the trunk, man, and, just, and, and dust the dust off of it. Because because you, you said something there that says that we were always taught that there's a rapture and Jesus could come at any time. Yeah. So while we were in the Christian church, I, I'm trying to remember, was there ever a teaching on what was the precursor for Jesus coming? He will come if it gets this bad or he's just going to show up whenever. Cause that statement says he could show up at any time. Could isn't set on any set criteria. Exactly. Exactly, and it wasn't set on any direct uh, criteria. I mean, primarily, as things got bad within our social network or in the world, the world climate changed. It got bad as the world's climate got bad. It was always an issue. Well, Jesus is going to come anytime now. You know, things are getting bad, blah, blah, blah. But things have been getting bad. Yeah. Ever since we were exiled out of the land. That's right. Continual de declination. You know. Yeah. So at least in regards to that same thing, here's the observation that I've noticed as you were speaking about that. Because again, we don't tend to, because we're not brought up and taught about the behavior of the Most High. And now that we, it's a great dovetail back into the Moedims. Because the behavior of the Most High is that, he has a set time when he wants to meet with us. Oh, absolutely. And through and that's not only every seven days, but periodically through the year at these particular Moedims. And it's very specific. You know when you're supposed to be in full regalia and attendance for the Most High. Matter of fact, as I, I go back to Shemot chapter 34, it says three times a year, your men are supposed to appear in Yerushalayim and they're not supposed to appear empty-handed. I, be, I believe it's Sukkot, uh, Shavuot, and what's the other one? Um, I forget the third one, but there's three of them that are in there. I think they I think they call it the in-gathering, and then they have, I think it's Yom Teruah and, and Shavuot. I think it's uh, Yom Kippur. What, is it Yom Kippur? What? When we're supposed to what? Three times a year, your men are, are, are supposed to show up. It's in Isaiah, it's in, it's in uh, Devarim uh, chapter okay. 16, I think it is. Because I thought it was in 34 too. But my point is with that and making that while you're getting that is that the most high's behavior yes. is not sporadic. No. He's, he's very, if you look at his behavior, he's very specific. What time I want you here? When you're supposed to start it? There's nothing left up to chance. And that's one of the things that I've, I've gleaned from Christianity. It's just so open. It's just so 
non-definitive right if i want to be very diplomatic right. in my approach right so that's in that's in uh you're you're quoting uh Devarim chapter 16 and verse 16, 16. Okay. three times a year all your men are to appear in the presence of yahweh your el in the place which he will choose at the festival of matzah the festival of shavuot and the festival of sukkot sukkot okay yeah they're the, so those they're, three so they're I, those I messed three. those up but yeah matzah um uh sukkot and shavuot yeah so you know, the thing is, is that every year we go through the high holy days. And, you know, one of the things I want to impress upon uh, our listeners to know is that if you have been walking in the ways of the Most High, uh, you have secured with Him another year of peace another year of health and tranquility you have secured with him the 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 response his responsibility to respond to you in any way that you need him to respond to you mm-hmm. because we hear in Devarim chapter number uh, four where he talks about what what people have yeah. an l as close to them as your l that when you call on him he answers Mm-hmm. And he answers us because we walk in his ways and we keep his commandments. Agreed. Now, uh, switching to another subject. Uh, I have been pondering in my mind since we taught on the lesson of there not being a hell, one, mm-hmm. and there not being a devil, two, mm-hmm. Um what do you think the Christian response would be if they knew there was no hell and there was no devil? What do you think the response would be? Uh, I don't have a Christian mind anymore, so I don't know what um, what that response would. I, I would think that they would try to try to somehow twist like they've always done twist it in a way to say okay see where it says over here i think they would probably go back to their text in the new testament and try to say well let's see it says it here and i, I don't know i can't i don't know well, if i can yeah, honestly well, see, answer here's, that here's a problem here's a problem we have we have primarily debunked right <laughs> we have pretty much Killed all the sacred cows. Yeah, and that's one of them. That's a huge one. And this last one, uh, hell and the devil. And the question that the the, the issue that that solidifies uh, our position mm-hmm. on this on this matter is that Bereshit defines everything that the Most High created in seven days. Mm-hmm. And there is absolutely no mention that the where the Most High created anything called hell. That's correct. That is or Gehenna. Okay. Yep. And this idea of a devil, we we debunk that. Mm-hmm. Um, in if you're using Isaiah chapter fourteen, I think it is. Uh, Oh, how thou hast fallen, uh, oh, 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 you know. Right. And, and from that particular text, you have, to read the, you have to read the whole text to realize that the text is not talking about a devil. It's talking about Nebuchadnezzar. That's right. I think it talks about, um, oh, morning star, you've fallen yeah. from yeah. your place of grace. And, <laughs> and, yeah, and, and it's, yeah, it's in context. It's talking about that king. Yeah, yeah, and you have to know, you have to know by reading the pretext and the text, what the subject matter is talking about, rather than going in and pulling something out and saying this is what it means. That's what European commentaries have done, mm-hmm. which have thrown our people off Correct. so that they are confused in terms of what's what. Correct. Now, with that being the case, I wanna I wanna talk about something that is in Isaiah chapter number five. Okay. Let me get it as already. In Isaiah chapter number five, 
Uh, we took it down because we put the. Uh, oh, okay. Let me go up there up. and get it. You can you can get it. All right. Going to the board. Sean is going to the board. It's right there. There it is. There it is. I don't have to do much. All right. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. If we do that, then I need my keyboard. Ugh. I need my keyboard. Where did I put the keyboard? See, I got, see, I'm over Where here. Where did I put the keyboard? Uh, you put it. I thought you put the key underneath. Right there. There we go. Okay. You see all that? See what we was doing that whole entire thing? Arr, oh, uh, let me get up. Arr, that's because I'm not young anymore. <laughs> oh, man. Now, listen, class. In Isaiah chapter 5 is a conversation that most people, where most people defined um, hell or Hades or the terminology is Sheol or if we're looking at it from a different rendering, it's the Netherland. But let's read the text so we can get an understanding of what's there. Okay. Uh-oh. I'm disconnected. I got you. I'll, I'll okay. it. Okay. It says... I want to sing a song for someone I love. A song about my loved one and his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. So now we're listening to a song and we're listening to a dissertation about this loved one and the vineyard. And this fertile hill happens to be Jerusalem. He dug up its stones and cleared them away, planted it with the choicest vines, built a watchtower in the middle of it, carved out its rocks, a wine press. He expected to produce good grapes, but it produced only sour wild grapes. Now, all of this, all of that in that particular text is something that takes us back over to Jeremiah, where Jeremiah says, I forget in which chapters, he says, I planted you a, a true vine, but you have become a, a degenerated vine. The vine happens to be Israel. Mm -hmm. Now citizens of Jerusalem, the people of Yehuda, judge between me and your vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard? that I haven't already done done in it. So why, when I expected good grapes, did it produce sour or wild grapes? So now by the language of the text, we know that the language of the text is talking about Israel. Israel happens to be the vineyard. It happens to be the grapes that have become sour. Now come, and I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, and its grapes will be eaten up, and I will break through its fence, and its vines will be trampled down. Listen to the text. The text says, this is what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I'm going to remove its hedge. Well, when the Most High talks about removing a hedge, he's always talking about removing his spirit. What happened to Israel when the Most High excommunicated us out of the land? When he excommunicated out of us out of the land, his spirit was removed from us. And when our ancestors were traversing the transatlantic slave and became uh, subjected to the upheavals of the Portuguese and the Oxenazi Jews, they cried out in the hulls of the ships, they cried out, Kumbaya. The Kumbaya was to help us, Yah. The question comes to mind, why did not Yah help them? Because he couldn't help them because the hedge was removed. Why was the hedge removed? Because they had become a degenerated vine and because they had abdicated him and they had gone after other gods and, and, we, and we failed, our ancestors failed to walk in his rules and his mitzvot. We look at uh, Lamentations chapter 5, verse 7, and the text says, we are in this exile because of our ancestors. And I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. Now, verse number 6, he says, I will let it go to waste. I'm going to let the vineyard go to waste. It will neither 
it will neither it will be neither pruned nor hoed, but overgrown with briars and thorns, and I also also order the clouds not to let any rain fall on it. Once again, rain is a metaphor for spirit, and also rain is a metaphor for Torah. Now, the vineyard of Yahweh Sabaoth is the house of Israel. So the text in here tells us who the vineyard is. It also tells us who, who my beloved is. It's Israel. So now he says, now the vineyard of Yahweh Sabaoth is the house of Israel, and the men of Yehuda are the plant are the plant he delighted in. Who are the men of Yehuda? The Kohanim, those who were responsible for keeping Israel in in its rightful place and honoring the mitzvot and following the ways of the Most High. So he who the Most High expected justice, but look, bloodshed and righteousness, but listen, listen, cries of distress. <coughs> so now he's looking at an overall picture of what happened uh, to Israel, the Kohanim and the Levine and the nation of Israel uh, while they were in their distress of trying to figure out what they were doing. They they committed bloodshed. They committed uh, horrible sins against each other and they walked in unrighteousness before the Most High. Verse 8. Now, listen to verse 8 because verse 8 is going to be kind of important as we get down into the latter clauses of where I want to be. Woe to those who add house to house and join field to field until there's no room for anyone else and you live in splendor alone on your land. Remember, Yeshayahu is a prophetic book and it prophesies into this current age and this current time that we're living in. Woe to those who add house to house, join field to field until there's no room for anyone else and you live in splendor alone on your land. That's a current event statement that is germane to a lot of the leadership in Christianity where our people have flocked to. Yahweh Sabaoth said in my ears, okay, now I'm going to slow it down a little bit. Many houses will be brought to ruin, large magnificent ones left empty. We're going to put a pin in there. There's a period. Many houses. What houses are he talking about? Is he talking about houses that we live in? No, he's not talking about the houses that we live in. He's talking about many of the houses of worship. Many of the houses are going to be left empty. Ruin, rather, brought to ruin. And the magnificent ones left empty. For a 10-acre vineyard will produce only five gallons of wine and seed from five bushels of grain will yield, give me a scroll. Bushel of grain. Yeah, uh, will yield but a half yeah. a bushel. So now he's talking about what these houses are going to produce and not produce. When are we talking about these things taking place? We're talking about these things taking place in the end of days. However, we are beginning to see during this, during our lifetime, many of the granules houses of worship are being slightly depleted because young people are beginning to see the error and beginning to see the holes in Christianity and they are walking away from Christianity. You're going to see that become more and more uh, 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 of a... Of a um, of a way of life for a lot of young Christians as we move forward in this period of time. Now, he says, Woe to those who get up early to pursue intoxicating liquor. Put a pen in it. He's literally, he, that's not a metaphor. 
That is literally a statement that he is talking about because a lot of our people, uh, that is the first thing that they grab in the morning. They, they grab intoxicating liquors, which is the reason why we have such a problem with alcoholism and we have a, such a problem with uh, the various narcotics that take place uh, who stay up late at night until wine inflames them. Uh, they have lutes and lyres, drums and flutes and wine at their parties, and they pay no attention to how Yahweh works and never look at what his hands have made. Let's hold it right there for a minute. Now, one of the biggest problems that we have, that we have is that there is no knowledge of the Most High in the land. Uh, when you think about, when you think about, Sean, when you think about how large a body of people Israel is in the exile, mm -hmm. and you think about, you know, I, I, I got to say this. My father always said it's a poor dog who won't wag his own tail. And I have to say, I know beyond a reasonable doubt that the things that we are teaching are true, they are factual, they can be proven by the Most High's word, mm -hmm. and they resonate with what he has said. Do you realize when we look at the larger body of Hebrew Israel that's in exile, they are not privileged to what we're teaching? Agreed. Totally agreed. I mean... You, you have scoured the internet and we've looked for partner Hebrew congregations that were pure Hebrews mm -hmm. that taught nothing but Torah and Torah principles and mitzvot, and we can't find them. Yeah, that's true. There's... Um Probably the closest for our constituency and demographic that are in um, uh, the great state of Georgia. Um, the closest I've come to that is maybe one or a few. But the problem is, is they still they're Hebristians, right? And that's what that's what I'm talking and about. They keep they're, interjecting they're all, Christ. They're in there. still holding on to a Greek theology and trying to mix, mix a Greek theology with Hebraic truth. Yeah. Hebraic truth is true. It's, it's the word that has been expressed by the Most High. So the, there's a lack of knowledge and the ways and the works of the Most High in the land. Mm -hmm. So our people are partying. Yeah. They're partying. Yeah. Luke's lyres, drums, flutes, wine, parties, and they have... And they pay no attention to how Yahweh works and never look at what his hands have made. Yeah, that's us. Now, verse 13 is the I key say, people. is the key text. Is coming up with the key text. For such lack of knowledge, my people go into exile. Period. Why are we in exile? The Most High has just said, because we pay no attention to his works and never look at what his hands have made. And we do not have any knowledge of who he is and what he is. Now, I know you and I, we talk to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And in talking to a lot of people, the subject matter of what we talk to them about is foreign to them. Yes. Correct. Very so much. Very much so. And the body of work that we're talking to them about are the works of the Most High. Absolutely. And it's foreign to them. Absolutely. It's it's been spun away where individuals when they when they see the text they they just see it as a springboard, just like you had uh, enumerated earlier. When they when they look at uh, text and they say, "Okay, bright morning star that you've fallen down," they look at that and they say, "Okay, that's the devil," because of the way Christianity has spun our text. So it it's rightly so. It's going to be foreign to them. It's like they've never even heard this before, even though it's been sitting right in front of them the whole entire time. Right, and it's 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 difficult for me at my age 
to recognize that brilliant men with educations and with THDs and DDDs and whatever else you want to put before a name, mm -hmm. uh, they are very proud of their of their of their acumen, but they don't know diddly about the works of the Most High, and never look at what His hands have made. Yeah, and for such lack of knowledge, my people go into exile. This is also why their respected men starve. Okay, let, let, let's take a step back. Let's, let's go, let's back the train up a little bit. Do they not, for, well, do, they, do their leaders not know? Because you've sat down with some leaders here within the city, and when you present these issues, namely one that I, we're speaking about, hell, they just look at their shoes like, okay, yeah, I, I understand that, but there's no way in the world I'm going to get up in front of anybody and make that declaration. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to say this. Okay. I was listening to a news report today, and um, one of the gentlemen in the news report made a statement, and... The moderator from the news channel said, well, uh, we, we, we don't have any, any validation that we can accredit that statement to. We've heard that, but we can't speak that it's true mm -hmm. because we don't have anything to validate that it's true. Mm -hmm. So in light of what you've just asked me, I can't validate that it's true. Other than to say that the response that I received would seem to in indicate that that might be true to some extent, but to the gravity of the extent where they get it, no, I I, I can't I, I don't I can't attest to that. Okay. But let's go back to the text. Mm -hmm. I got it. I think I'm I think I'm back cued back in here now. I'm cued back in here. Um. For such lack of knowledge, my people go into exile. This is also why their respected men starve and their masses are parched from, from thirst. Let's unravel that for a minute. The text speaks once again in a metaphor. Their respected men starve. Mm -hmm. And their people, their masses are parched from thirst. Now, I've already told you that rain is a metaphor for Torah, mm -hmm. okay? Their respected men starve because their respected men do not have Torah because Torah is food. Right. It's, it's, it's that life source of spiritual food that spiritualizes and nourishes the soul. Mm-hmm. If the soul is not nourished and the soul is not fed, then it becomes parched mm -hmm. and it becomes parched for thirst because the spirit which provides Torah mm -hmm. is absent. Mm. So our people are malnutrition. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but that's but now then but now then understand with that being the case, we we have to connect verse thirteen with verse with verse fourteen. Right. <clears throat> with with the with the um, with the you got it with the with the lutes the lyres the drums the parties the lack of paying attention and with this lack of knowledge there being no spiritual food that fills the food that that feeds the soul verse fourteen tells us something it says therefore. Sheol has enlarged itself and opened up its limitless jaws and down go their nobles and masses along with their noise and rebels mm -hmm. and revels. Now, Sheol is not hell. Correct. And let's put, keep this all in context. Isaiah chapter five is not talking about the nations. 
Isaiah chapter 5 is talking about Hebrew Israel. And just because you don't know that you're Hebrew Israel does not dismiss you from being Hebrew Israel in the minds of the Most High. That's because right. the Most High already said you lack knowledge. Right. That's right. And as that goes back to that concept of grace that you were talking about earlier, because we were in the same state too. The Most High stuck around for us and said, hey, listen, you know, they have a spirit for truth. I'm going to give it to them. But again... You know, we were in that state. But the most because we didn't know. Yes, but there's the difference, the difference that we're dealing with in knowledge and knowing is the fact that our hearts was open and receptive mm -hmm. to truth when it showed up. Correct. We Correct. didn't try to make an alibi to escape well that and that's not that's doesn't it, it doesn't mean that. Well, no, we didn't do that. Mm -hmm. When truth showed up, our spirit acquiesced to that truth, and we began to teach that truth, and we began to walk in that truth. That's right. And that's. And let me give you an accolade while you're there. Let me just stop for a second and give you an accolade while you're there. It takes leaders and individuals that are strong in and having a connection with the Most High. To, and that's when I said in this podcast that I just released, they came out towards the end of it. We talk about that to say when truth shows up at your doorstep, you have something that you have to confront. You have to be able to say, am I going to compromise what I have now as far as being comfortable in light of what I know to be truth? Truth is telling me that I need to function and behave in this certain capacity and manner, but I live in a day and age that's contradictory and diametrically opposed to that. So I have this uh, dichotomy that's in front of me. Which one do I choose? And so to piggyback on what you're saying, it takes these strong, even in the text, it says it starts with the leaders first, right. trickling on down to the, to the individuals that are listening. And we had a group of individuals, core individuals, at FTF that says, when truth showed up, we accepted it and said, you know what? Because the people that didn't accept it, they went away. They went away. Soon as we started teaching the Shabbat, that was the door where they said, uh-uh, we don't want to have anything to do with the Shabbat because the Shabbat, it interferes, it interferes with the way I live. That's right. That's right. And it's, I got to say, it gets in my, it gets in the way of what I want to do. That's right. That's right. It, I'm going to say this. It might sound, and I don't care at this particular point, and I'm going to get crucified, and this is on YouTube, but it's almost like this symbiotic, if, uh, let me be, make an allegory here. Um, it's like this relationship with a husband and a wife where the Most High has said, hey, listen, you guys, um, this is truth. This is what I want you to understand. This is how I want you to act and perform. What Christianity likes to do is have this rebellious attitude to say, we get to do whatever I want to do. I don't have to do what you tell me to do. And the Most High sent there saying, he's, uh, he's consistent. If you want to act this way towards me, then I'm going to excommunicate you out of here. And that's kind of that kind of the relationship that the husband and wife has. You want, you want a wife that kind of, you know, is you're under... She's under your leadership. Right. She wants to, that's ultimately what wives are looking for in a man, is a, is a person that can lead and take charge and take responsibility. But also that comes with that is the issue of being submissive enough to say, this is what the edict is going to be. Right. And if you don't want to abide by it, then there's consequences that's, 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 that comes along with that. Right. Most High emphatically states right. in now, the text. I mean... As we look at this, as we look at this, the Most High is talking about his love. Mm. He's talking about his vineyard in chapter 5. That's all it is. Once again, this is not about any other ethnic group of people other than Hebrew Israel. Right. He says, because of the four-stated situation, from, from verse number one down to verse 13 of chapter five, therefore, Sheol, okay, mm -hmm. the, the holding place of the soul of Hebrew Israel has enlarged itself and opened up its limitless jaws 
and down go their nobles and masses along with their noise and their revels. Mm. Mm -hmm. The masses are lowered, the nobles are humbled, proud looks will be brought down. That's what he's saying. Mm -hmm. So now you got to understand something here, okay? And what we have to understand is that this shield is a place where the soul goes when the soul departs the body. When life leaves, when breath leaves your body, breath immediately, it, it, immediate, it instantaneously goes back to the one who gave it. Bam. Mm -hmm. Quicker than you can bat your eye. Numa. 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 And your soul immediately departs into Sheol. Now, we have called Sheol the grave. Mm -hmm. uh, but that grave cannot be symbolical with grave as we know grave, if you know what I mean. Okay. Because we have graves all over the world. Cemeteries. Cemeteries. Where, where people are buried, yes. Yeah, so we have cemeteries where there are graves all over the world. Mm -hmm. Is the text talking about that? Absolutely not. Correct. Absolutely not. Right. One of the things that you're going to ask me, well, where do you get this from? Well, <laughs> it's, it, it, appeals, it appeals to logic. It appeals to logic. Here's what logic tells me. Logic tells me that if I trace the creation of humanity, we trace the creation of humanity back into the land. The land is in the continent of Africa, which I forget what the name is. The name is really not Africa. They changed the name to Africa. I wrote it down somewhere, and now it doesn't come to my mind mm. in terms of what that name really is. That's right. But they changed the name of the continent to Africa to meet their uh, imperialistic ideas of what imperialism has done in, in the things that the Most High has brought into existence. Mm -hmm. But anyway, man was created in the continent of Africa. Adam was created and Eve was created in the continent of Africa. Mm -hmm. The souls of human beings were created in the continent of Africa. Logic tells me that, that it is in that land and in that place that I have to start agreeing with my, with my African ancestors when in this exile they begin to purport that when they died they believed that their souls went home back to Africa where we get this word this terminology home going that we use for funeral we're having a home going well you see we use terminology that we don't know what the origin of it is mm -hmm. and why it's being used mm -hmm. oh we're having a home going we're having mother so and so's home going well what yeah. what are you talking? Yeah, she's, what no, is that? she's not going to heaven. Right, that's where she's not going. She's not going to heaven. Mm -hmm. Her soul is not in heaven, and her body is in the house is in a state of decay. It's going to dust, mm -hmm. and the spirit, the numa, has gone back to the one who's given it, and the soul has departed to Sheol. Mm -hmm. Now. I want to. I want. I want you to. I want you to understand something here, okay? As we debunk this idea of hell and the devil, ask yourself a question: What pleasure? What pleasure does a magnificent, long-suffering, gracious, loving? El Ohim, mm -hmm. Elohim, Yahweh, what pleasure would he get out of seeing what he's created 
in an eternal infernal. None. You get nothing out what of that. What pleasure would he would he find? What pleasure would he get in seeing what his what he has placed his name on in creation? Mm -hmm. Suffering eternally in something that's called hell and by its Eurocentric creators something where there's fire and brimstone. Right, which you don't see in our text anywhere. Th that, which is nowhere in the Hebrew text. Nowhere. And matter of fact, if you go on the behavior again and characteristics of the Most High, he uses these terms like cut off or your name will be wiped out and no one will ever remember you. It's kind of like when I dispose, when if you get to the point where you've upset the Most High to a point where he doesn't want to deal with you anymore, it's just you just won't exist. Think of it as if prior to you being instantiated into the world, you didn't exist. Right. You didn't exist. Before did. you were born, you didn't you exist. You didn't exist. And that's going to be the same way when you're out of here if you get on the bad side of the most high. You just won't exist. Your, your soul, all of that, gone. So the idea, and, and, and understand something. Now, let's, let's, let's take that a little step further. Okay. Let's go to the deluge. Ah, right. If we go to the deluge, <laughs> right. which is the flood, mm -hmm. uh, and I want you all to know, uh, <laughs> for, 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 I love this. for point of clarity, yeah. uh, within our <laughs> westernized mind, the people who died in the flood was a whole bunch of Negroes. Yeah. They were black people. Mm-hmm. Beating on the door. Well, no white people in the flood. <laughs> there were melanated people in the flood. Mm-hmm. Hard-headed, stiff-necked, mm -hmm. rebellious, mm -hmm. which is the way we have always been since creation. That's right. So... The Most High did not allow those people to suffer anguish mm -hmm. in the flood. Their spirit and soul left them before they were in any kind of a situation where they were in anguish. Right. Why? Because he's long-suffering and because he's merciful. Come on, it's sitting right there in front of you. Well, get if it's him. sitting in front of me, grab it. Get, get him. Grab it. Come on. Grab it. With your explanation of what you're saying, someone dies. Spirit or pneuma, breath, goes back to the Most High who gave it. Yep. Your body returns back to the dust. This is this physical house, this real estate that you're walking around in that the pneuma in your soul possess is a house. It's made of dirt. It goes back to what's where it came from. Your soul goes to Sheol. So when Christ died, where did he go? Explain all that and explain now you got to reconcile Christ, which again is another debunk of this whole entire issue of, of what actually happened. He died and then what? He rose three days later. So if by way of what you're talking about, the breath that was put in him should have went back to the most high and then his soul should have went to Sheol. Yeah. Yeah. Listen. So this, that narrative over there doesn't even yeah, match yeah, with what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, um, uh, Santiago, uh, I, I see you there. The same entities that have taken uh, the nutrients from our staple foods and taken the, uh, the validity from our scripture and culture. And, 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 and I can see that I can't see the last part of it more the board situated, but and you're, lies, but you're, yeah. but you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, and that's because there's no there's no sense of knowledge and there's no sense of understanding of what the Most High has created 
and what the Most High has done. So these entities who think that they're smarter than the Most High have, have diluted yeah. the things of the Most High. And, um, you know, I see you there, uh, Kenya. I like this too. I like to have that up there. We can interact. How are they so intelligent but not seeing or teaching truth? Well, it's because, once again, we go back to Scripture. Mm -hmm. If we go to Scripture, the Most High said that Israel was blinded. Mm. That's, in, that's in one text. In Jeremiah, I don't remember exactly where in Jeremiah, but I think I might be coming up with it uh, this weekend, this weekend teaching, and I get to Isaiah uh, chapter 43 or in 44, it may be in there because I've read it and seen it so many times, where the most High says his people are stupid. But, but see, here, let, let's put this into perspective. Why are they stupid? Because we've talked on this. This is one of the talking points as to why we're like this. Because if we look at text, you can see all through the book of Shoftim, even prior to Shoftim, We've gotten off track. Even when we go back to the golden calf event that was there when Moshe goes up in 40 days and 40 nights. So I also want to bring that up too. If all of y'all don't want to think that Jesus was the first person that did 40 days and 40 nights and without any food and he fasted. No, that's not true because Moshe did it way before he did. So the, the issue here is why? And I'm going to go back into one of the prophets. I'm going to quote him because he says this. It's because it's like putting up a stat sheet Listen, this group is so stiff-necked, hard-hearted, that I can take this yes. group of people yes. Yes. who has, number one, is a laughingstock amongst all the nations. This is today. We're talking about, now, I know that we're talking about we're in Isaiah, yeah. but that okay. is germane to right oh, absolutely. now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This group that cannot listen. If you go to any event where a bunch of black folk are at right now, it's tough getting us all on one accord to do anything. Yeah. And show that even in their downtrodden state, anywhere you go, that curse will follow you no matter where you are. Devarim chapter 28. Even though we preach this gospel around here, and I'm using that as a pejorative term to say, well, this is not our land. This is not where we're from. We should be back in our land and inhabiting that land because we ought to have our own laws and mitzvot and all those types of things. While we are exiled, and I know I talk about the United States and westernized culture, if I go to like a, a Brazil or if I go to a Medellin, Colombia, or I go over to Australia, or if I go to in, any East Asia, anywhere, my curse follows me. So it doesn't matter if I'm here in the United States or not. As long as the people of Israel are disjointed from the Most High, the curse will follow you no matter where you are. So the point of what I'm trying to get here is that look at this group of people that no matter at where they are on the world, they are still the lowliest group of folk. And if I can take them right. and use them right. as the catalyst to show that I am the great I am right. and deliver them back into the land that my mitzvotes are true, yes. they are pure, yes. then that's teaching the nations, yes. everyone else, who the Most High really is. Because right. you, can, you can't do nothing but look... I, I go no further to take who's the worst basketball team that's out. What do we got going on? I don't follow sports oh right now. Oh my goodness. Who's 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 the worst? Come on, Johan. Who's who's horrible? <laughs> and it can't be Sacramento because we moved up. <laughs> the Houston Rockets. Uh, Houston Rockets. Okay, we'll take what we'll, we'll take the Houston we'll, Rockets. We'll take them as a take the Houston Rockets, and we bring in Robert B. Holman. What's G that team? What's that team? Um, uh, come on in the chat. Who's the worst? Team, what's that team? Um, the GOAT was owner of. Jordan. Wizards? The, the Hornets. Hornets. The Hornets got to be the worst. <laughs> they got to be the worst? Yeah. Okay. So that's like even with bringing in a Michael Jordan to the Hornets, and even if he suited up and played, that would be the same thing as saying, okay, I can take this group and take them all the way to the NBA Finals. Now you know that I'm the GOAT because I took a ragtag group of folks that had no ability and yeah. brought them to the championship. And that's what the Most High is doing with the people like ourselves. Okay, We're ragtag and disjointed. Let's look at something as we, as we come to close tonight. As we close, 
everything that you have just talked about concerning how the Most High feels about Hebrew Israel and how he feels about um, our being redeemed out of this exile and back into the land. It's in the book of, uh, of Ezekiel. I, I don't remember exactly where it is. Ezekiel is a very large book, and I don't remember exactly where it is. But the Most High talks about when Israel is redeemed back into the land, and the nations find us living there in 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 splendor, and uh, our exile has been reversed. The Most High says these words. Then the nations will know that I am Yahweh. And what he's saying is, then you will know that only I had the ability to take a nation that I knew mm -hmm. was going to be stiff-necked, hard-headed, mm -hmm. and self-willed, that I could bring them back into the land, redeem them, and they would join themselves to me. There would be one, one way, and my name would be one. Mm. And the language will be one. Mm -hmm. That's going to take place when this ex when we come out of this exile and we're redeemed back into the land. Absolutely. Let me close with these words for a minute. I realized that uh, the current status of the news as we sit here today is reflecting on the war between Hamas and Israel. Mm. That's not our war. That's correct. That's and the Nazis are certainly not our people. Mm -hmm. And we are not them and they are not us. Correct. And while it is that they are asking everyone to contribute money uh, to help them, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't mind getting attacked for this, okay? Hebrew Israel, true Hebrew Israel is black. Mm -hmm. And if there are any atrocities that happen to black people anywhere in the world, there is no national cry for help to help them. Absolutely. Absolutely not. We don't get any relief at we all. We get no relief at all. Mm -hmm. I am not obligated, neither am I responsible for helping a nation that helped bring us to these foreign nations and places that we are. I'm not responsible Woo. for helping a nation of people that are more racist, that are more racist than the people down in Mississippi and Alabama. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not responsible for that. Mm-hmm. I was thinking today, and as my son and I were talking, and I said, it's egregious what Hamas has done. But then, when I go back in scripture text, the Most High gave orders to Hebrew Israel when he brought them out of the land. He gave them the instructions, when you go into these lands that you're going, I want you to go in there and kill everything that breathes. That's right. Women, women, children, children, the dog, the cat, the goldfish, anything. Wipe them out. That was his order. However, the one thing that I, I don't agree with, with what Hamas has done, I don't agree with them raping the women. The Most High yeah. never told Israel Correct. to do things uh, that were inhumane right. to people. Right, but he did. He did give us and give them instructions to to deal with the nations that they were coming in contact with, so that they would not be conflicted mm -hmm. with their gods in the ways of their of, of, of their life. So, you know, um, this war in Israel, in I call it Disney Israel, is not our war. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Esau. Is fighting the people. <laughs> Come on! I'm glad he doesn't know who really who, who real Israel is. Although I don't think he would attack us, right? Because uh, we're melanated people too, right? So um, you know, at least in the same vein with that. Again, behavior and characteristics. When you know the text and you know how the Most High operates, it's not 
unseemingly when you see things like that. That is part of our land. And what has the Most High done before? He does all the fighting. Right. When you go, he will wipe everything out prior to you getting there. Right. He does his own house clean. We just need to step back and let him do his thing. Right. And just walk in the midst, folks, and be obedient. Right. Well, I'm glad to see all of you in the chat room to, uh, tonight with us as we've talked about uh, these things this evening. Hope that uh, you've gained some insight and some uh, information that will be helpful to you. Uh, Sean and I are very glad to see you, and we'll probably be doing this uh, oh, yeah. during each of our podcasts going forward. So uh, I want to say to you, um, if you don't have any, anybody got any questions before you close out tonight? Are we taking Q&As? Okay. Yeah, we take some Q&As. Okay. You got any questions before we close out tonight, anybody? I think we got, you know, we had a, this is good to have this particular forum so, you know, we have the, the interaction because we're coast to coast on this thing. And one of the things that I'm, you know, um, like I said, I've scoured, you've, you've said something, again, that we need to take in the gravity of pan-Hebrewism, Hebrewism around the world. Not only is it germane to the United States because we're here, but we have our native beer that we did a study on. We have our beer that is in South America. We have a beer that is spread all over the world. And I think that um, one of the things I probably want to try to do here uh, moving forward is um, to expand my expanse of understanding where we are actually are throughout the world. I'm pretty sure that there's folks that are, you have some folks that are in, um, in the Middle East that I thought were, uh, were tuning in from time to time. Yeah, and listening to us. Yeah. So I like to hook up with individuals that are from the UK, and because yeah. it's a worldwide thing, and we try to make it this microcosm about where we actually are. And yeah. and and again, when I did the dissertation on Devarim chapter number twenty-eight, we like to think that Devarim chapter twenty-eight is just for Ebir in the United States, but that's not true. No. When you read it, it's okay. It's like a smorgasbord. It's like a golden corral of curses in there. You could say, okay, well, that's the United States and that's the United States, but we don't have these other ones here, but those things are still happening, but they're happening throughout the world. So it's a worldwide prophecy and we shouldn't try to make it germane to just the United States. When we expand our minds, we find out what's going on. So I'm kind of stalling a little bit to see whether or not anybody- No, we got a question out there. Uh, okay. Santiago, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about- um, uh, the Oxenazis uh, role in U.S. history uh, here. Uh, well, matter of fact, we'll, we'll, we'll probably we'll, we'll God, I can't talk now. Uh, I'll make a note of it to kind of we'll maybe we'll talk about it in, in our next podcast. And um, there's a let me turn you on to some literature. I don't know if you're aware of it, but um, out of the Nation of Islam, uh, under the direction of the Honorable Louis Farrakhan. There are uh, two books I thought. Yes, I have published. them. Yeah, I have that them. That talks about I don't know the history of the Jews in. A matter of fact, how, what's, what's the name of it? Fact, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember, but I'll, I'll I'll bring them with me next next week so we can talk about them. And I can tell you and I can point you and because the uh, Nation of Islam has done an excellent historical study of the Oxenazis' role in U.S. history. They've done a wonderful work, wow. and I'll uh, I'll turn you on to uh, those writings and those books so that you can have something to uh, to look at and, and study from. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been uh, Rabbi Robert <laughs> Behoman and Sean Appleton, and this has been Hebrews, Hebrews in, in Exile. exile. Shalom. Shalom.